So, good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Last night we broke from the, the noir film. I understand that. But I had to do that because I couldn't go without paying homage to Ennio Morricone. Even though Ennio Morricone is no longer with us, you know, we have to give respect. And yes, some of his themes you you could use in a film noir setting. Um, like I've said, Tarantino has reused a lot of Ennio Morricone's themes. Um, but tonight, you know, I was going to talk about The Third Man. And instead I went to, there's a really great film noir group classic film noir lovers on facebook so i asked the question and i got about 200 responses which is great would you class would you all classify the third man as film noir by the way this is a dr zeus film podcast good evening let's dive into this and i got a lot of interesting responses I feel that the third man is absolute noir. The chase scenes through the streets and the tunnels alone will tell you it's noir. Okay. And then I got a very interesting... Now, noir does derive from German expressionism, as did the film we talked about on Halloween, uh, Nosferatu, the vampire film by F.W. Murnau. So this person said, of course, it is interesting that it is made in Vienna where I lived at different times, a decade in totality, because it highlights the uh, pertinence of German expressionism to the film noir. Actually, film noir as we know it would not be possible without German expressionism, which is true. Um, Oh, I love, this is his response. I appreciate that. I will certainly check it out. I have had conversed a couple of times with the only surviving credited cast member of the third band, Hubert Halbrick, the boy with the ball that accuses Joseph Cotton of murdering the porter. He would be at the Third Man Museum, also a great Third Man tour in Vienna decades ago, and an interesting man who is very approachable. So these are, these are different reactions that we get when I ask that question. Is it noir? Some people said, nope, not a chance. Some have said, yes, I consider that the third man contributes to the very definition of film noir. Um, then there's this one. Orson Welles ruined this movie for me. Other than that great movie, I do think it's noir. Oh, that's interesting. I wish they could have slipped Peter Lorre into that film. I love these responses. Mm. One of the film noir without being noir or knowing that it is noir. A noir? It's almost the noir. Good. No, it's something almost in- indescribable. Okay. European noir, or British anyway. They don't use the women the same way in the films as in America, which proves that a femme fatale is not necessarily for noir. All right. One person said, at first I read this, I thought it was the thin man. I was like, where are you? What are you smoking? But yes, definitely noir. I'm not smoking anything I don't smoke. So here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, so I wanted to analyze noir. Now we were going to talk about the third man, but I need a day and a half to prepare because this takes a lot out of me because I have to get it right. I can't just half-ass it. Oh, let's talk about the third man. I have to revy up clips of the third man, you know, and yes, it's Joseph Cotton and 
Orson Welles probably in one of his most iconic roles, aside from Citizen Kane. In fact, Orson Welles plays the villain in, or or is he truly the villain, in The Third Man. There's, there's a really great moment in The Third Man. And for me, and Eddie Mueller of TCM would probably also agree, since he has introed it as an, a, a noir, there's a great scene where Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles are on top of the Ferris wheel. Now, Orson Welles being Harry Lyme and Joseph Cotton being, we got to get it right now because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Joseph Cotton is Holly Martins. Orson Welles is Harry Lyme. Makes you want to have a lime cake. So there's a really great moment, as I said, and it dives, you know, noir. I mean, it's the cinematography, it's the look, it's the feel. So there's this great vantage point. It's always about vantage points. I go to a lot of concerts, and so whenever I see someone has recorded the show, if I'm sitting on the top, I want to see the middle vantage point. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't see that from, but it's it's interesting. It's still enjoyable. As for this film, you got to, these, these are interesting moments so they're in this ferris wheel and they're and they're talking and harry lime says to um holly would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever now i can't really conjure orson welles voice orson welles had a very interesting voice and here we are talking on a podcast and in the 1930s the war of the worlds which orson welles read on the radio causing pandemonium this is the this is the 1930s you know uh and he had that voice where he was able to project but yeah it's it's such a great moment and we're going to talk more about it on Saturday. If, if you know, cross your fingers. This movie is just, it's noir. And that's why I wanted to ask the question. Because people have a different opinion of what is noir. That's like asking what is punk or what is metal. You know, and we talk about music sometimes on this show. I'm a big Tool fan. I have the, the Tool shirt on. Um some would consider tool alternative some would consider tool metal hard rock prog rock but they really are within their own genre they have aspects where they use synthesizers they're using hard uh, instrumentals so yeah it's it's like trying to box things in and i will mention even though we are talking about film noir, but if I were a director, I'd put him in a movie, put a top hat on him, and he's a noir icon. He could be a detective, and that's Mr. Neil Young, who really defies genre. You know, his sounds... I For a long time, I always thought Neil Young was country, and then I'm listening to him as a teenager. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of grungy which is good. That's prog rock. That's a little bit folky. Okay. Mm, okay. That's introspective. It's singer songwriter, you know, and sometimes, you know, as a music fan, it's like, what are, what is the water like in Canada? Because you think of all these, you know, you think of Rush and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and Rufus Wainwright. Um, 
Kate, I'm a big Katie Lang fan. Katie Lang's funny because she doesn't take herself too seriously. I mean, uh, I've seen clips of her except a Juno with a wedding dress on. And it's like, oh my God. You know, in the beginning, she called herself country punk. Yes, we're, we're, we're veering away from the noir just for a bit because sometimes I like to mix the music in there. But, you know, we can also, the noir aspect is it being a little bit eccentric. You know, I come from a long line of eccentrics. Trust me. They, we are strange. And as a little kid, and I've said this before, when someone calls you strange, it kind of does hurt your feelings. But then as you become an adult or a teenager, being strange is kind of cool because it's like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of am weird. You know, um, I don't think like other people, you know, I, I, I've, I'm very aware of the mob mentality and people's opinions and ganging up, you know, and we could attribute that to newer films, you know. Um, these are the films of my grandparents. I mean, my grandmother would go to the movies every day in Oakland, California. And, you know, I think I had brought up one time that I was going to start watching The Third Man. And she said, oh, that's such a good movie. I think because she was aware of Joseph Cotton was in so many movies, you know, um, and then, and then Orson Welles, you know, Orson Welles was in The Lady from Shanghai, which we could kind of consider a noir, you know. I think we, we've dived into the true aspects of noir. And it's, it's German expressionism. It's, it's a French word, you know. Um, but then, you know, European films, I, I think um, there there's unfortunately is a misunderstanding and there's an ignorance that, oh, it's a European film. Well, you know, a lot of us in the United States weren't we didn't we weren't originated here. You do know that is that this is the land of immigrants. So we all came from different places, you know, um, yeah came on the boat, came on the train, you know, walked across. And a lot of these filmmakers, you know, I mean, Carol Reed, for one, he made The Third Man. I mean, let's let's not forget about that, you know. Carol Reed, I believe, was the brother of Oliver Reed, you know. Let's 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 make sure we do our homework here. You know. I I don't if I ever were to sign this show away, I would not completely sign the rights away because I do prefer doing it myself because I have complete control. Complete artistic control. So I'm I'm sure Prince would really applaud me for that because you know Prince wouldn't record with people unless they had control of their masters, unless they had complete and total artistic control. You know, set. Uh, what is it? Um, Ray Charles was the same way. Ah, uh, Carol Reed. So Carol Reed directed 
the third man. And if we go into here, because you know we want to make sure this is legit. Because I know he was related to Oliver Reed. <laughs> oh, Citizen Kane. Here we go. Okay. See, the third man is such a mysterious movie because it, it the music, the lights, you know, um, the well, for one, that Zephyr tune that's played, the theme, you know, but also the vantage points, as I said before, you know, I took art in school and they would teach you, you know, you're going to draw the vanishing point where it begins and where it ends. So if you look at the third man, there's that wonderful moment in the cemetery where he's walking and you look at the vanishing point and the trees and everything. That's the cinematography right there. And then the look and the color, you know, we're, I was going to highlight this on Saturday, but I'll highlight it. So there's a San Francisco band called the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. They take their name from the Marlon Brando gang in the movie The Wild One. Now, The Wild One is not film noir. But the BRMC, as they're called, very, very interesting sound. I mentioned them because their 2003 album, Take Them On, On Your Own, is a is an homage to the third man. You know the moment where Orson Welles is running through the... Uh, tunnels in the sewers and so there's this really great album cover shot um, by the black rebel motorcycle club of all three of them within that vantage point of the tunnel so it's 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 that's totally the third man I, when i first saw that album cover i knew i picked up on it and i thought oh that's that's inspired by the third man so this movie you know when we talk about it we're going to dive into it. I mean, we're going to dive into... There's there's a, a, myth, a mythology to this movie, you know. And yeah, some would call it European noir. But that's, that's kind of writing it off. I, I think a lot of you... Like I said before, you write these European films off. If it's, if it's got subtitles, you're not going to watch it. And that's sad because then you're taking... You're basically taking yourself out of the equation you just because you don't want to read when there is an interesting story right there and you know this year i watched the seventh seal and if you're going to watch an igmar bergman film there's subtitles so get ready and it was such an interesting film i forgot that there were subtitles because i was so invested in the story you know max von Cito, uh as as the the night and then death him and death are playing chess you know that would be an interesting noir film today if someone had a character watching that and it's a murder mystery they're murdered while they're watching the seventh seal but then you could go back in time and it could be in the 1950s they're watching it because it came out in the 1950s who knows film noir you know, 
we could even maybe along the lines you know throw the old tv shows in there as film noir but we're talking about film we're going to talk more extensively about the third man you know whenever i hear joseph cotton's name i i think a lot of us think of who's afraid of virginia wolf where um elizabeth taylor's character famously says what a dump and then she says she says to her husband played by richard burton real life husband what's that from what a dump and he doesn't know and so she kind of knows and they're discussing it in the kitchen while she's eating a a chicken wing and she's like what's it from i don't know martha it's from some goddamn warner brothers movie that goddamn betty davis a lot of goddamn came out of elizabeth taylor's mouth um and then she starts oh yeah betty davis she wants to go to chicago for joseph cotton (laughs) yeah yeah and you know that's another movie where the look and feel of the film i'm not going to say that who's afraid of virginia wolf is noir but the look and feel is very mysterious first of all it's shot in black and white the lighting the hue uh, that sets the tone in the mood and that's what film noir does you know um so i mean film noir could be done today and it has been done today and i i mentioned that earlier in the week when we discussed perry mason which is you know what i what i liked about that is it's first of all hbo did it so hbo is going to go big so when they take an icon like perry mason and give him an origin story full, full on with a potty mouth you know because this is not your grandparents perry mason he's saying fuck this and eat that um and the situations i mean he's he's got a, a girlfriend who comes over and they have sex and she gives him mezcal she's from mexico and but it is noir the you know the influence i mean that's why i loved it i thought oh this is so great and so noir continues and here we are noir november you know just highlighting everything that we love about this and so i'm gonna do try to do a live broadcast on my podcast on the podcast um page the dr zeus podcast um because i couldn't rebrand it yet to the dr zeus film podcast and we're just gonna i want people to have a discussion about noir what does it mean to them what is what what is quintessential noir what is also it can be parodied you know um in the 90s there was in living color and they parodied film noir you know where she was always calling the guy johnny his name's not johnny and she's always in black and white while everything else is in color so you know it's it's a very good homage but a parody and i think a lot a lot of people you know um tend to uh get a little uh hysterical 
with it they don't like parody they don't get the the true essence of being parodied you know if you haven't been parodied then you have not made your mark and film noir makes its mark just as barbara walters didn't like being parodied but that was she had arrived she had made her mark so she's going to be parodied you know yes it's not the truth but it's looking at something and dissecting it and and spitting it back out at you and and that's being parodied and film noir has been parodied just as bogart and bacall have been parodied you know the voice the tones saturday night live used to do this really good sketch with um And her name escapes me right now. Um, she's played Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she's played uh, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon did this really great um, sketch on Saturday Night Live where she's playing this old um, movie star, Debette. Goldry, I love this. A senile elderly actress whose harsh experiences with being an actress in old Hollywood, including the ongoing issues of equal pay, sexual harassment and abuse, racial diversity in film roles, and actresses getting involved behind the camera as directors and writers are more art outrageous than what modern actresses have gone through. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good Whenever she's on there, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, I think if they were to do a film noir moment with Debette Colt Goldry. Um, in fact, maybe we should see if Debette Goldry can be allowed on. Um, here we go. Perfect. Haley Center event, big parts, small actresses, the state of gender equality in film. To my left, star of Ghostbusters, Leslie Jones. Uh, girl, I told you I wanted my credit to be the Olympics. <laughs> Going down the line, star of La La Land, Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> well, next, we are so fortunate to be joined by a Hollywood legend, the star of over 300 feature films, and the first woman to ever dive into a swimming pool on screen, the great Debette Goldry. <laughs> it's an honor to be where am I? <laughs> and we are so pleased to have. And so I wanted to leave it at that because. That you know what they're doing is they're parodying old actresses, you know, from that old from that era. Yeah. Let's see. Act a certain ways so you don't get labeled as difficult. Yep, you gotta eat arsenic to make your skin pale. <laughs> what? I mean, Samuel Goldwyn had a rule that all of his starlets had to eat arsenic tablets to make their skin glow. And then they discovered it made us, um, I'm sorry, what is the word? Psychotic. <laughs> so to calm us down, they'd send in the monkey with a tray of opium. You know how it goes. <laughs> now, this is this is a shout out to Saturday Night Live and Kate McKinnon. Please put Debette Goldry 
and a film noir parody it could be mildred pierce it could i don't know you know um Mildred Pierce was a good noir. It truly was. But then I think what happened is Joan Crawford is one of those people where too much of a good thing. Um, because then they tried to do it with humoresque with her and John Garfield. Um, and, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's, there's, you know, an interesting aspect and, I, and I'm not dogging Joan Crawford you know I think um, <sighs> I mean there's there's a lot to be said about Joan Crawford I we could say she's kind of a lesbian uh, icon because her and Mercedes McCambridge I, I, I always kind of looked at them and thought uh, yeah okay you know and, and, and I'm not saying that Joan Crawford is not feminine but um in film noir, you know, could she have been, she couldn't be the femme fatale? That's the thing. I don't think she wanted to be the femme fatale. If you look at Mildred Pierce, she's anything but. She's the good mother with the bratty. Well, I we won't even call Vita bratty. Vita is a bitch, and she steps on her own mother, and she shoots the husband, and then she's like, "Oh, mommy, get me out of it." What does that sound like? That sounds like today's world right there. Oh, I didn't mean to kill him. Come on, take me to Mexico. You know, yeah. Yeah. Or if if it were the 60s, we would call um we would call Vita a draft dodger. You know, daddy's going to pay him or her money to leave. Yeah, rather than face up what they need to do. You know. But um yeah. Noir has many different coats. It has many different aspects. And, you know, there's so many just different movies. There's so many movies to Noir. It's like, which one do you pick, you know? And so that's why I've tried to just look at also talking about Noir as a whole. Because it is a broad broad topic film-wise. Because it does continue. We've discussed that, you know, from Devil in a Blue Dress to The Grifters. There, there are noirish aspects in Pulp Fiction. Now, some of you would probably think I'm smoking something by saying that, because you're 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 more focused on the action of Pulp Fiction. You know, when Uma Thurman gets stabbed with the hypodermic needle, or when um, Bruce Willis's character gets shot at, uh, or every word out of Samuel L. Jackson's mouth, you know, but there are noir aspects to it. There's mystery and there's intrigue because you don't know really what went, what what Marcellus is about that character, or what John Travolta's character truly, you know, what's in the briefcase. Those are aspects of noir. You know, and Quentin Quentin Tarantino is a sponge. I've discussed that before on this film podcast. You know, Quentin Tarantino is like that hip hop producer who says, I'm going to take a few samples from this James Brown song and Motown and mix it up. 
And so what Quentin Tarantino does is he takes noir, he takes black exploitation, you know, mixes it together. We could put that into Jackie Brown, you know, or even some of the period pieces. But when it comes to noir, in you know, I I would also compare it to like I said earlier defining genres. You know, that's like in punk rock saying, oh, punk rock, we can't have drums on that because then we'll sound ska, you know. So there are movies that you wouldn't consider are noir, but they're noir. And as I had brought up the grifters, Stephen Fears, you know, was aware that okay angelica houston is in the grifters and her father was john houston who directed the maltese falcon you want to talk about a noir right there and that's his first film you know and took all of these aspects that became noir this is 1941 you know so i think you know everyone thinks that oh it started with double indemnity that's not true because it's been around a long time. You know, you could even call the Sherlock Holmes novels noir. If they're done right, they're noir. You know, it, it has to all do with the look and the feel of the film. There's one director who I could say has noir aspects. I mean, I wouldn't call his films noir. Although you could disagree with me, audience. Um, and that's... Uh, that's Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson did Boogie Nights, which you could say is, has some noir qualities. Okay? There Will Be Blood. The Master. Phantom Thread. Don't you just love those titles? Magnolia. You know, when whenever I watch a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, there there is a mystery and intrigue to it. And then it's also the cinematography and the light and the feel. And that's where you could fit the new or title. But then you have something like There Will Be Blood, where it's about the cinematography, the look and the feel. You know, because in There Will Be Blood, there is a lot of mystery going on. It's like, okay, how did he get that baby? We don't know. But then you later find out what he really thinks of the baby you know his his object to things his rolling over things he's an oil man he's a businessman one it's it's like when someone tries to you know say that they're born again you know and my uh, my thing of that is you know once a crook always a crook you can put feathers on it and and disguise it but you're always going to be a son of a bitch you're never you're never going to change it and there are some people that i know are like that they'll say oh i'm i'm better now okay that's good you know and we could fit that in noir aspects you know these characters who oh i've turned a new leaf and then you private investigator follows them and oh bullshit they've turned a new leaf they you know yeah let's let's not go there and you could fit that into a noir of today now television what i've noticed is television has really <laughs> blurred everything you know we have all these crime shows no noir because it's just about kill book them trial 
kill Bookham trial. And that's so boring. It's like enough already. Enough. <sighs> but you know, if they were to go to Demolition Man, it would be murder, death, kill. So that can't be a noir. I, I'm mentioning in all these films, I'm probably making some of you shake your head and laugh, you know, but that's, that's, you know, we can't take ourselves too seriously because if we do, then the art, the art just sucks. It suffers. It suffers. And, you know, that can also be said about good music, you know, and that's why I mentioned Neil Young, um, a lot of people hear Neil Young and they think, oh, yeah, he was mentioned in that Leonard Skinner song. Well, you know, <laughs> if you notice, that didn't really phase Neil Young because he continued, okay? He didn't have time for that. And, you know, if there was animosity between him and Leonard Skinner, who knows? Who cares? Quite honest honestly i was never really a leonard skinner fan you know yeah free bird okay sweet home no no um yes we're veering away from from noir but we're making a point here okay you know could could if if the right film were made if it was a music video and if we put a bogart hat on neil young it could be classified as a noir music video. And I'm sure he would do that. But he wouldn't do it in the way that you expect. Okay? That's why with Perry Mason, there's noir aspects. But there's there's things within there that wouldn't have been in a, a noir film in the 1940s. First of all, cussing, sexual situations. You know, gotta love HBO for that, you know. I'm not a prude. It's like, hey, okay, that's re that's real. You know, I mean, I'm sure people are like, oh, they didn't really cuss like that in the 1930s. Well, were you there? So, and, you know, talking about someone who's shell-shocked and PTSD, you know, it was called shell-shock syndrome before it was PTSD. And a lot of these um, private eyes in film noir are former veterans who have shell shock shell shock shock syndrome not it wasn't it wasn't called ptsd until later you know and how they they fit into this noir aspect you know we could even yes we'll we'll pull it from television the character of magnum pi okay he's a loner you know he has higgins and there's always a mystery and intrigue to what he does. I bring this up because, you know, 40 years ago is when Magnum P.I. premiered. I wouldn't know because I was just a fetus when it all... Well, no. No, I was... I was a baby. But, you know, when you're a baby, you don't have memories of the premiere of Magnum. No. But there is a noir quality. I know you're thinking I'm crazy. But whatever. There's a new aura quality to Magnum P.I. Because there's always been mystery and intrigue to that character of Thomas Magnum. As a little kid watching, I just thought his name was Magnum. I didn't realize his name was Thomas, you know. But and, and that's part of new aura is there's certain things you don't know in these movies until later on. 
you know, could we classify the witness for the prosecution as film noir? That miss that that ending with Marlena Dietrich, probably one of Marlena Dietrich's greatest performances, wasn't even nominated for it, and that pissed her off. You know, um, I mean, there's there's films like that. You know, some people wouldn't classify Hitchcock as noir, but then if you look at something like the movie Notorious with Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant. And Claude Rains, we could classify that as noir because that was the that was the moment that Hitchcock broke away from David O. Selznick because before that Hitchcock didn't have a pot to piss in artistically because David O. Selznick had him by the balls, and it wasn't until David O. Selznick basically had to sell the rights to Notorious that Hitchcock took them. And that's how he became the Hitchcock that we know. So there are noir aspects in the Hitchcock films. Some of you would disagree. What I'd love to do is have Eddie Mueller on my show, but it's not like he's going to call me out of the blue. Let's get real here. So we're going to dive more into The Third Man on Saturday. As always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>